0: Hello and welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 31 from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm Graham Gardner. Now we have something a little different for you in this episode, as I'll be handing over the presenter's microphone to somebody else for a change and this is something I hinted at in previous episodes, and we have had a couple of comments saying that people enjoyed hearing more about my own dowsing work, so now's your chance. Last month I was interviewed by a fellow Scot, Dougie Birrell, for a new podcast called You'll Never Know Until You Try. Now it's not important that Dougie's Scottish, I'm only offering that as an excuse for me lapsing into the vernacular rather more than I normally do. Dougie very kindly agreed to me also recording the talk and offering it as one of our own podcasts. And we ended up having a great chat about dowsing, and as it is a rather long interview, let's just get straight to it. So here's Dougie's interview with
1: me. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Well, my name is Graeme Gardner. Um, I'm a dowser and geomancer. My main career was as a lighting designer in theatre, which uh, I still do as my day job. Uh, so dowsing is a bit of a sort of a secondary career at the moment. Um, but I'm hoping it's going to take over as, uh, you know,
1: as time goes on. Is dowsing something that people can turn into a full-time career? Is it something that some people do?
0: Yeah, many people do. Uh, it's something that people tend to come to later in life. Um, you know, there's the sort of pressure of um, you know, getting a house and mortgage and raising kids and all that, uh, which tends to take priority. But uh, many people come to it later in life and they're looking for more, more meaning in things. Uh, I was lucky enough to discover it uh, in my teens, really. Uh, that was back in the 70s, if you remember that. Um, there was you know, various, uh, there was the sort of height of the new age period. And I was sort of searching for uh, more meaning to life reading all these books that were coming out at the time. Um, some of the more important ones were like John Michel's The View Over Atlantis and uh, Tom Graves' Needles of Stone, which was uh, one that really integrated the whole sort of dowsing and earth mystery scene. Uh, there was also Guy Underwood's The Pattern of the Past, which is a very good uh, introduction to dowsing as well. It was Tom Graves' book that really inspired me, that uh, there's probably something to this, and I mutilated a perfectly serviceable pair of coat hangers as uh, my wardrobe <laughs> and, uh, and went out and uh, tried to find some water and proved to myself successfully that I had done so.
1: When people think of dowsing, they think of people searching for water, but dowsing actually does cover other areas as well. Uh, do you want to tell us what those other areas are? Sure, it
0: does. Uh, I mean, it's most well known for finding water, and um, that's still probably the the area where uh, most people work professionally is as water finders. Probably not so much in the UK now, but you still get them uh, quite still quite common in the North America and uh, Australia, um, uh, Africa, and India, you know, places like that, where there's a, a genuine need to, to sink wells and boreholes. Um, but there are many other areas. I mean, I mean, dowsing is, is a faculty that's innate in in all of us. So. Uh, it can be applied to pretty much any aspect of life. Uh, so you'll quite typically find uh, people like um, health practitioners who quite often use dowsing, uh, for one. It used to be quite popular in archaeology uh, and is making a bit of a comeback in that uh, in that region. It was sort of overshadowed by all the um, advances in geophysical equipment, you know, magnetometers and uh, all the rest of it. Um, however, it's still a lot cheaper to and quicker to go across a field with a pair of dowsing rods than it is to call in the geophys guys, you know. Uh-huh. So uh, we are making some inroads in that, although there's um, you know, sort of a lot of scepticism to, to overturn. Um, other areas we have, uh, Earth energies is quite a big one. Again, this sort of um, came out of the whole New Age thing in the 70s. Uh, again, very controversial area, particularly with the more sceptical minded people. Um, so this is like dowsing for the, the natural radiations of the Earth. That takes us into things like um, geopathic stress, uh, you know, um, inappropriate sizes of buildings and people living in, in the wrong, wrong spots, uh, which is my main area of
1: interest, really. Just so people listening can get an idea, what is geopathic stress?
0: Classically, it is um, a disharmonious relationship with the Earth. Uh, the Earth does have a natural resonance, a natural radiation, if you like, uh, which can be disrupted by the likes of fault lines underground water flows, uh, mineral deposits, mines and quarries, you know, that that sort of thing. Uh, There has been quite a lot of research done in this in previous years, going back to uh, as far as 1930, when some German uh, scientists, uh, who were also dowsers, uh, started investigating the incidence of cancer cases in some towns. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was an aristocrat chappy called Baron von Paul, uh, who did quite a lot of surveying in this, in a town called Vilsbyburg. And um, he was asked by the mayor, well, basically, I think he badgered the mayor into letting him do this survey, that he surveyed the underground water flows uh, under the houses, which was then compared with the town's medical records. And they found uh, a high correspondence with um, beds of cancer patients. So other people have carried on that research. Um, there was another chap, a uh, French guy called Pierre Cody, in the 1950s who did some surveying with uh, using electroscopes to show that there was a definite um, difference in the air ionization above underground streams. Uh, And these produce quite a narrow band that rises vertically. And again, he was finding this was affecting the bands of people who had um, tumors. Another German chap called Jakob Stengel did some work, and uh, he developed a really sensitive device that's uh, kind of like a high-tech Geiger counter called a scintillation counter which detected slight increases in the background radiation over these streams. And these devices have been developed over the years into sort of geological surveying devices to the extent that it's now possible to use these from an aircraft or uh, even satellites in some cases uh, to detect where um, geological deposits are. So it's the sort of basis of all that sort of thing, but uh, you know, you can still go and find these things because DAOZO seem to be sensitive to this, uh, this radiation as well. Um, this is the sort of physical basis for what we can pick up.
1: Tell us about some of the myths surrounding dowsing that people seem to get, seem to think dowsing is this. Can you dis- dispel any myths on that?
0: Um, well, a lot of people think it's the, the tool of the devil. Uh, you know, you still get quite a lot of uh, fundamentalist Christians uh, complaining about it. Um, yes, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, you do. You know, uh, you have had some complaints. Uh, if you're dowsing in a church, some people get really upset about that, so... I mean, most people, you know, including the the clergy, are, are totally cool about it. Um, in fact, it was quite known, quite unknown in France, that um, a lot of the clergy were the best dowsers and uh, early researchers in, in the arts. I mean, that goes back to the Inquisition, really. I guess you know, uh, Martin Luther uh, denounced dowsing as the devil's work. So uh, a lot of people are still hung up over that. Uh, that's one of them. Uh, other myths. There's, well, there's quite a lot of myths and superstition amongst dowsers themselves about what works and what doesn't work. You know, one of the common ones that you hear is that you can't douse wearing Wellington boots because that insulates you from the earth currents. You know, but there's uh, plenty of farmers that have gone out and uh, found themselves a well with a dowsing rod, ones wearing Wellington boots that will <laughs> disprove that one for you. <laughs> a lot of old-time water dowsers will say, you know, you have to have a hazel stick or a, or a willow stick or, you know, some particular wood. And that goes back to uh, medieval times when it's thought that uh, the twig was reacting in sympathy to the water. There was some resonance that uh, a particular wood would, you would be in, in resonance with, depending on what you were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's lots of things like this that still hang on. Um, lots of these superstitions. Some people can't douse unless they've got a sample of the the item they're looking for. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for water, you'd have a little file of water in your hand. You know, you know this mm-hmm. kind of thing.
1: So, yeah, so... Uh... I think it would be fair to say, different people have different ideas about how it works for them. I think it works differently for everybody.
0: Well, well, this is the thing, you know. There's no um, universally accepted scientific explanation of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there is still a controversy. Uh, lots of sceptics will say it's it's all bunkum and doesn't work at all. Um, but anybody that's actually felt the rows move in their hand or has you know successfully found something with dowsing will know that yeah, there is something to it.
1: What do you get out of your dowsing work? Can you give me a typical example of what your dowsing work involves, if it's more than one thing? Can you give us a couple of examples? Sure.
0: Um, well, after I taught myself to douse, um, it was actually at a Roman fort outside Glasgow where uh, there was a well. And uh, I, uh, my yellow rods moved, so I thought I was finding some water outlet from this. I followed the rods over the top of the hilltop to where there is a, an excavated Roman bathhouse. And uh, where my rods led me, I found there was a pipe. Or me a, yeah, a stone conduit in the wall, um, you know, which fairly convinced me that I was actually finding something with the rods, and I had followed this stone conduit on the well. Uh, so I did a bit more of that, like you know, finding uh, pipes, and cables in the garden, and that sort of thing. Uh, lots of practice things you do, like you know, putting different coins under a cloth and trying to identify them with a pendulum, and this kind of thing. But um, I didn't really want to become a, a washer dancer because you know I was quite uh, involved in trying to make a career in theatre at the time, uh, which took up a lot. Long- lot of my time. So uh, I kind of put it to the side, as, as many people do, thinking, well, yeah, OK, you know, I can do that, but so what? Um, and it wasn't until many years later, because I was still going around uh, having developed this interest in earth mysteries, I was still visiting all these ancient sites like uh, stone circles, and you know, I've been fascinated by all this uh, all Neolithic past. And it was several years later, it was 1989, in fact, when I met uh, some professional dowsers in the field who, uh, who did earth energies. And that rekindled an interest, and uh, I went and did some training with them and found out that i was actually quite good at this uh and it's it's all so led on from there so from 1999 and here we are you know what um 11 years later my president of the british society of dowsers so uh yeah dowsing is a bit like that it does kind of uh, have this tendency to change your life for you <laughs> um but in answer to your question about um particular cases uh it was because at 1999 it was when i was down in cornwall viewing the solar eclipse and that had a bit of a profound effect on my psyche, really. And I I sort of made the decision then that, uh, you know, I was at that age. So I thought, well, it's, it's time I was giving something back to society, really. Um, so that was my decision to go and go and develop the dowsing. It was a desire just to, you know, to give something back and to, to help people.
1: What do you think attracts people to dowsing generally? For example, I found out a lot more about it because I was sitting one afternoon and I thought, you know what, I want to find some podcasts to listen to. I always listen to music when I'm going to and from work, things like that. And I thought, I want to find something a bit different. So I went looking on iTunes uh, through the podcast directory for lots of different things. And Adventures in Dowsing, which is the podcast of the British Society of Dowsers, had popped up. And I thought, ooh, I'll have a little listen to that because that, that's something that's different. That seems interesting. And that's, you know, I just started listening to it and that's how I found out a lot more about it. Do you think there's anything particular that draws people towards dowsing? I think
0: people come to it for different reasons. Um, you know, the, the, the British Society of Dowsers is an extremely broad church. You know, we have people from all disciplines and all interests in the society. Um, it's can be quite tricky keeping them all happy a lot of the time. Uh, you know, there's, there's always this dichotomy between the uh, what you call the tangible dowsers, you know, those that do water and archaeology, and the, the intangible dowsers, those that deal with earth energies and um, health. Um, so there's, there's always arguments and disagreements, but uh, you know, usually constructive. Um, but I mean, the un- the underlying thing that the actual dowsing phenomenon is is the same no matter what you're doing. Um, you know, I'm, I I find exactly the same reactions and exactly the same protocols if I'm dowsing for a buried pipe or if I'm dowsing for a ghost in somebody's house. Mm. You know, uh, it is the same thing. Um, I'll tell you a bit about um, uh, how I think it works, if if that would be helpful. Yeah,
1: that would be great because I think that's the kind of thing people were really interested in. Is well, how does it work? You know, okay. that's what they, they're they curious about.
0: Well, I mean, I think the reason science hasn't got a definitive explanation for this is that uh, it has to be something to do with consciousness. And mm-hmm. that's not something that science can measure easily. I mean, we're sort of getting there these days with, you know, um, if I mention quantum physics, everybody will throw up their hands in horror at me using cliches. Um, but, you know, something like uh, that sort of modern research, where it's looking at the information field, um, you know, we really need to get into that sort of explanation. But I talked about earlier about the um, uh, the field that's given off by underground water flows. You know there is a disturbance in the electromagnetic field that um, instruments can detect and dowsers can detect. You know because our bodies are all electromagnetic. You know we are uh, we can be uh, sensitised ourselves to this sort of radiation. But primarily for me, I think dowsing is, is uh, an act of accessing your your subconsciousness. Uh, if you think about it, the body's being bombarded with all these signals every second, you know, from the environment, um, little sounds you hear in the background, little things you see out in the corner of your eye, you know, smells, air temperature. You know, our body senses are measuring all these things. And if we paid attention to them all, you know, we'd, we'd just go mad with the amount of information you had to process. So uh, the body does have this defense mechanism, mechanism uh, which psychologists call latent inhibition. And your brain basically filters out anything that you don't need to know. From So we literally create our reality from second to second. You know, there are several thousand uh, inputs coming in. We kind of um, uh, merge all that down to the few hundred, couple of thousand maybe, that we need to know to survive. When obviously you want to know if there's a, you know, a wild animal about to jump on your back or there's a bus coming at you. Um, mm. But generally you don't need to know these things. So your subconscious filters it all out. Now that doesn't mean that you're not aware of it. At some level, your subconscious mind is still processing all this information, and dowsing lets you access that. Uh, So it's a means of tuning into your subconscious, tuning into your intuition, using the pendulum, using the L-Rods, whatever the dowsing tool is, and it lets you access your subconscious. So your body, as you're walking over a waterline, say, will be aware of the subtle change in the magnetic field, but uh, the dowsing rod lets you pick that up. You know, it's actually amplifying your reaction. It's letting you uh, access your subconscious. So the pendulum is like a, a bridge, if you like, between your left and your right brains, you know, between your logical and your intuitive sight. Of course, uh, some people think that, certainly in, in quantum physics, that you know, uh, we know that mind uh, affects the outcome of the experiment. So there is an interaction between mind and the environment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, other people would say that the subconscious uh, is connected to the universe at large. And again, uh, if you look at quantum theory, you can can look into stuff like quantum entanglement, you know, experimenting Mm -hmm. with moving particles apart and finding the similar interaction. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know I'm getting a bit new agey and uh, airy-fairy here, but, um, you know, at some level, everything is connected. Mm -hmm. And you can access that information field, you know, using your dowsing. One of the books I read uh, when I was in my teens and doing this research was called um, Experimental Magic by J.H. Brennan. Uh, which had lots of these little uh, uh, experiments you could do on yourself. And this was well before quantum theory became trendy, of
2: course.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about doing a self-hypnosis routine where you would in- induce yourself into a trance by, you know, counting yourself down in an elevator and you know, breathing slow and all that sort of thing. And uh, once you were in that state, you would ask your subconscious mind questions about yourself. you was an aid to make life decisions. And you train the responses so that one of your fingers would twitch for a yes. like say your right finger would twitch for a yes response and the left finger would twitch for a no response. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what a dowsing response is, really. So, you know, the pendulum is doing exactly that. It's enabling you to access your subconscious, but you're not having to do this old self-hypnosis stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, brain scans have been done on dowsers, and they show that uh, both the left and right halves of the brain are fully engaged across all the, the frequencies of the brain, you know, alpha, beta, theta, mm-hmm. and delta. Uh, unlike, say, deep sleep or meditation, where you tend to be focused on the, the lower frequencies. You know, dowsers are active at all frequencies. So you're accessing this deep information, this deep knowledge, but you're still conscious. You, you keep one foot in the real world while you're accessing the, the other world.
1: Let's cover how people can dows because there's several ways they can do it. Um, we've already mentioned L-rods, and we've mentioned pendulums. Can we just quickly just go over that, just to explain to people what the differences between each one is, or the, okay, yeah. what each uh, tool Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, that goes back to uh, some of the myths surrounding dowsing. You know, people think that you have to have a specific tool to do something. Uh, Like some people will say, you know, I have to have an amethyst pendulum, otherwise it doesn't work, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's all nonsense. You know, the the body is the dowsing instrument. Um, All the tool is doing is amplifying your body's response. You'll also hear sceptics talking about the idiomotor response, which is your subconscious is making your muscles twitch, which makes the LROS move. Um, and they say, well, that's why dowsing is rubbish, but you know, that is exactly what's happening. You know, it is your subconscious mu- uh, making your muscles move that's making the rod move. Um, so different tools, they, I mean, they all do essentially the same thing, but um, some are better suited to different applications. Uh, so you quite typically often find water dowsers will still tend to use um, the, the fork twig approach, although usually it's plastic these days rather than the actual wood, um, just because it gives you a very definite response. It's a very dramatic response, you know, so it's so good to convince uh, somebody who's a beginner that something's happening is you know, stick a, a wire rod in their hand and watch it whack them on the nose when they get a reaction <laughs> <laughs> um, L rods are perhaps better for if you are following direction you know if you mm-hmm. want to because uh, the rods will cross when you find the, a water line or whatever it is you're looking for, but you can also ask the rods to move and point in the direction of flow, for example, so they're quite good for following uh, linear features. Pendulum you can use for finding things, but it's a little indefinite if you're trying to find a a linear feature like a pipe or a water line. Pendulum's usually better suited to asking the sort of yes-no questions, Mm -hmm. so it's more suited for some sort of divinatory stuff, if you like.
1: If somebody wanted to find something they'd lost, it might be a good idea to go to ask questions about, is it in my house? Yeah, is it in uh, this room? Is it in something like that? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean you can use you can use rods for yes and no questions as well. You know, typically the rods will cross for yes and go apart for no. Um, but often you find yourself using a combination of different tools depending on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a very um, high tech device called a Cameron orometer, which is a sort of um, combination rod bobber pendulum Thing um, it's it's quite an interesting uh, construction. Uh, it folds in half, but it's got a spring involved, and you can adjust the tension on it. Um, it's very sensitive, and you, basically, you can do anything with it. You know, I describe it as the, the Swiss Army knife of the dowsing tool world. So, you know, there are different uh, different tools you can use. I mean, essentially, you know, anything to hand. Uh, you can make a pendulum out of pretty much anything that you've got. You know, necklace, a bunch of keys. You know, um, steel nut on a string. You know, anything you like, really. L you can make out of a coat hanger. You know, fork twigging, so just go and cut that in a bush. Actually, that's interesting, uh, just to digress for a second, but the use of the fork twig, um, after the Inquisition, dowsing was banned uh, for many years, except for dowsing for water. So, because of the church and a lot of people still had a lot of hang ups about it, uh, it said that the fork twig uh, was popular because you don't have to carry it around with you. You would just mm-hmm. cut it on site where you had to do the job and then you could throw it away. So, you wouldn't be found carrying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if somebody did question you about it, you can just break it half, and say you're just collecting firewood. Ah, so, very clever. Yeah. That's, anyway, interesting historical digression there. Well, let's let's start with the pendulum. That's the that's the most basic thing that people use, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, when they're learning. Uh, essentially, the dowsing is uh, all about programming your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to essentially program this this computer, this, this these three pounds of grey matter that we have in our head, and it is a biological computer. You know, so you have to learn to take control of that. I mean, we know from science that um, if people have repetitive behavior patterns like habits, this does actually set up uh, particular chemical signatures in the brain, uh, particular paths in the neurons get sort of hardwired, if you like. So uh, dowsing is a way of learning to program that computer. You know, it's learning to change these patterns. And the pendulum is the main tool. As, as I said, because this forms the bridge between your conscious and your subconscious, it's also a, a safe tool to use as well. Particularly when you get into sort of the more esoteric stuff, like accessing spirit realms, because the pendulum, you know, it keeps a focus for you. You've still got this one foot in the real world. You know, you're not going into trance. You're still in control. Um, you're not throwing it out there as you would be with, say, a Ouija board. Uh, you know, so the pendulum is, is your focus. So it's, it's, it's a self-regulatory uh, uh, system. So what I would suggest for people to learn is to get something that will act as a pendulum. So it can be anything that's got a decent swing on it, um, a necklace, um, a, a, a hex nut on a piece of thread, you know, anything like that, really. And I usually say, uh, I usually find about uh, two to three inches of, of uh, thread or string or chain is, is a good length for it. But you want something that's a moderate weight.
1: I'll just ask a quick question. If you're dousing yourself, do you use pendulums made of different materials for different jobs, or do you just not find it makes r- much of a difference? It uh, doesn't make an iota
0: of difference to me. Um, mm. I tend to go for the cheapest pendulum I can buy because um, I keep losing them. You know, Particularly if you're out in the garden or something, or out in mm. the field, and you drop it in the long grass, You know, yeah. or it falls out of your pocket and you don't notice it. Um, I've lost quite a few pendulums over the years, so... Uh, mm. Uh, also you know things like crystal pendulums are quite fragile if you drop them they tend to shatter so yeah no i'm very down to earth and work a day about uh, what pendulum i have <laughs>
1: uh-huh. the reason i ask that question is i know that people that have used pendulums have some people think like if they're trying to clear something from a house or something a certain material will It's based on the, the properties of the crystal tend to be yeah. more in a tune with what they're trying to do
0: Yeah, well, some people like that, um, but that's their personal programming, you know, it's not, uh, this is one of the superstitions, again, uh, surrounding it, you know, you have to have a particular pendulum for a particular job. I mean, yeah, if you want to work that way, and it works for you, that's fine.
1: It comes back to that point we were talking about earlier, where different strokes for different folks. Yeah,
0: uh, but you know, there's no magic in the tool unless you choose to put it there,
1: Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. While we're doing this as well, were you brought up with any particular religious beliefs
0: uh, not really. No, Church of Scotland, you know. Uh, yeah, so no particular religious beliefs. Um, went through the usual, so you know, we went to Sunday school. Uh, I was in the Crusaders at one point, but uh, yeah, that was mainly because they had uh, good holiday camps. <laughs> so, uh, so no, yeah, never really uh, got taken in by the, the, the whole
1: Christianity thing. How would you say your belief system works now? Are you? Do you say you believe in any particular thing, or do you? Would you say you believe in different aspects, or? different ideals for
0: i don't describe myself as religious i don't think mm-hmm. i'm spiritual i describe myself as a spiritual person but not uh-huh. a religious person yeah just because you know uh religion implies a sort of organized structure and somebody telling you what to do mm-hmm. uh the spirituality i think is taking control of your own destiny your own um uh, spiritual um hygiene if you like Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess, you know, we're hearkening back to the early days of the church uh, when you have Gnosticism and stuff like that. I probably, I mean, I don't even know if I would say I believe in a a supreme being, although I do sort of work with uh, several guides and I will certainly invoke a deity uh, Mm -hmm. in my work. But whether that is uh, an actual objective, you know, Chappy with a beard and the white cloud, I wouldn't go as far as saying that. Um, I think any of these sort of spiritual things are probably aspects of our consciousness. Um, or a higher consciousness, but you know as long as you accept that he's a, a a working model, you can work with it. you can work with that energy
1: do you think that's something that 's becoming a lot more common these days that people are becoming more spiritual as opposed to being religious? Yeah, I think it probably
0: is you know when uh, I mean, you can see that in the the decline in the church tendencies and stuff, people are more aware of uh, what's out there and uh, uh, you know the, the sort of spiritual side of things it 's mm-hmm. part of the the new age, if I can use that um, <laughs> much banded about term. Yes. Uh, actually, right. Tom, Tom Graves has a wonderful way of saying that. He says, "Yes, yes, yes." New Age, raised with sewage. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. So there, you know, there is a lot of dross out there, but uh, you mm-hmm. know, people are more into taking control of their own destiny these days. So mm-hmm. That's, that's got to be a healthy thing.
1: That's one of the early adventures and dowsing podcasts. You do talk to. A- to tom to tom yes well and, he talked
0: to me i don't think he yeah. actually said much from the
1: entire duration of that <laughs> he's he's one of these people that's quite an engaging speaker yes and he was he he. i recall him being quite amusing yeah. and i think he actually may have said that exact term that you just used yeah so I th- i think i will be recommending that people actually go out and find that particular podcast as well Yes. Um,
0: well, I recommend they go out and find all my particular podcasts. because I would stuff. as well, because I, I do
1: find <laughs> them quite good. Okay.
0: Well, let's do a little uh, pendulum training then, shall we?
1: Okay, let's go for it.
0: Okay. Uh, so, remember, this is your brain that you're programming, really. Um, but you talk to the pendulum as though it's an animate object. But, you know, we're not that daft. We know it's really our, ourselves that we're programming. So, okay. just make sure you're sitting comfortably and relaxed in an upright position. Mm-hmm. Make sure your arm holding the pendulum is not resting on your chair or slouching on the table. Mm -hmm. You want to keep the shoulders relaxed so that your arm can move freely. So, uh, so say pendulum about two to three inches of chain. Okay,
1: I've got about. Mine's got about seven or eight.
0: Right. Well, um, I I find shorter chain is uh, means you get the answer quicker. Okay. Let's
1: try that. I'll just wind this one up a little bit.
0: Yeah, Uh, and you should hold it between the index finger and your thumb with your, your okay. finger pointing down. You right. know, some people like to have it over the side of the finger, but that kind of, uh, can restrict the movement a little bit.
1: Should I sort of keep my arm straight or downwards rather than uh, moving it arm, up? Keep or? your arm
0: relaxed. You know, have your uh, forearm horizontal. Uh, okay. and Have the pendulum between your legs. Like, you like.
1: Know, so you're in a comfortable position. And
0: uh, another thing that people will uh, often do is just have the pendulum sitting stationary, mm. and then you ask it for the answer, okay. uh, which is fine. I mean, it does work, but it does take a while. You know, because the pendulum has to start moving every time. Mm-hmm. It's much faster if you have uh, what's called a neutral or a search position. So I would suggest you start swinging the pendulum uh, away from you towards you. So I just it okay. swinging, so it's going in a straight line. Yes. So uh, then you ask the pendulum, show me my yes response.
1: Okay, show me my yes response.
0: Show me my yes response. Most people will find it starts going in a clockwise circle. You can reinforce this, if you like, by holding it over your right knee and saying the same thing. Show me my yes response.
1: Okay, show me my yes response. Yeah, um, are you are getting a circle? Yep. Okay. It was um, just before you actually said it, it started spinning clockwise the first time, so...
0: Right, yeah. Well, just yeah. Some people do have a little trouble getting it going at first. And the holding over the right knee just sort of um, reinforces the sort of whole um, yin-yang thing, like your right yeah. side is more, you know, more dominant, assuming you're right-handed, of course. Uh, if you're left handed, you'd be reversing this process.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, so put it back in between your legs again, and swing it back and forth in the, the neutral position. And now, uh, if you move over your left knee, you'd say, Show me my no response.
1: Show me my no response. Yep, that's the way that's going.
0: That's right, most people find it'll go anticlockwise. Uh huh. Yeah. It is. Uh, yeah, No, it might not. Some people find it goes from side to side. Uh huh. For no. You know, um, it doesn't really matter. You can make it go the way you want it, you know, because it oh. is you that you're programming here.
1: Yeah, that's the one interesting thing I've noticed is actually using the shorter chain is. I'm actually quite surprised by how quickly it does react. Yeah, compared yeah. to before, because I would just sort of let it dangle and just see what would happen, and it would take a little bit longer to sort of build the energy up to get into a big swing for things.
0: Yeah, yeah, cause it doesn't does have to change? overcome that inertia. You know, it's got it's got momentum to begin with. Uh, so when you're doing a lot of questioning, you know, you can appreciate that this does save you a lot of time if you have the short chain. You know, so... yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's the basic responses. You've got the yes and the no response. There are other responses you can get, and this is a good reason for why you should have the clockwise for yes, anti-clockwise for no, or some mm-hmm. variation of that.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, sometimes you can get it going in a sort of straight line at a 45-degree angle, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a slight ellipse at a 45-degree angle. And for me, that's a sort of maybe response.
1: I could ask it to show me a maybe response and a, and a don't-know response. Yeah, or I'm uh, not willing to answer yeah, I
0: mean, these, these will come. Uh, if the pendulum still keeps just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, that for me means, uh, you know, the, uh, don't understand the question.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If it starts going horizontally back and forth, that's a don't know for me. Mm-hmm. If it's going at 45 degrees, that will be a yes, maybe, or no, maybe. And in each case, you know, you have to uh, answer the question. Uh, again, just wanna, you know, try to get a different spin on the question. You know, that's the hardest bit about it, is uh, is asking the right question. Because everything has to be some sort of binary code variation. You know, yes, or black, white, yin, yang, male, female, that kind of thing. You know, it's almost like um, imagining you have a wish spell. You have to sort of spend a little bit of time thinking about what you're going to say, what you're going to ask. So it can be a little difficult if you're doing uh, any sort of major divination stuff, trying to find out what's going on. You know, you have to go through this whole 20 questions thing and think, you know, well, how can I find out this information? What do I need to ask? You know. Um, but, you know, you get better with practice.
1: And this is something that people are ho- hopefully listening to the podcast will be trying for themselves just now. Um, <laughs> yeah. As we've said, there's various ways you can make a pendulum, so you don't need to rush out and buy one.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you are having difficulty getting a reaction from the pendulum, you know, try stretching your shoulders a bit. Just, you know, taking a deep breath and making sure you're nice and relaxed. If, you, if you're very tense, sometimes your, your body affects against you in this. mm mm-hmm. And also, you can deliberately start the pendulum going, you know, start swinging in a circle and saying, this is my yes response.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just a bit of practice, really. Mm-hmm. And once you've got your reactions going, then just sit down and ask yourself a few questions like, you know, is my name Graham? Or, you know, is my name Dougie? Do I live in Glasgow? You know, whatever. Write yourself a few questions just to sit and douse through uh, until you're confident with your results, with your answers. Then you can sort of uh, start expanding on other exercises, like um, trying to identify different coins under a tablecloth. It's quite a popular one. Uh, you know, these kind of things. You can make up these little tests for yourself.
1: OK, um, oh, what should we try dowsing for here?
0: Finding lost objects. Most people will probably relate to that. Uh, I'm, I have to say, I'm not that good at this. I can usually get it down to maybe the room that something's ah. in. But, um, I haven't been that successful. My wife, however, is much better at that than I am. <laughs> She once had lost a file in her in her office,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is very important. And uh, two days had gone by and nobody had found it. And uh, they were getting a bit frantic because they really needed it. So uh, she went in early one morning with her L rods, went down to the filing room, which was this room with floor-to-ceiling filing cabinets all around. Uh, she just stood there with her rods and says, OK, is the file in this room? And the rods crossed, for yes. So she said, mm-hmm. show me where it is. Uh, so she turned around on the spot holding one rod out and the rod kind of sticks and points in that direction so she mm-hmm. followed up to this particular filing cabinet is it in this filing cabinet? yes mm-hmm. show me which drawer it's in she moved her rod down the front until it reacted she opened that drawer she said show me where it is she moved her rod down the side of the drawer till it reacted and there was a file was it actually in
1: the filing cabinet properly? Or it, be it was like actually in, in, in the, the filing cabinet yeah no it was actually
0: in the filing cabinet so, she just ran from front to back with the dowsing rod. When the rod turned, that was where the file was. So, yeah. So, that was pretty impressive.
1: Did she do that before other people were in, or? Yeah, she just did that work? early one morning. No, it's just it's the kind of thing, because while, while it's helpful and useful, other people might start. might think, why are they doing that? What's. you know. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Should, yeah, she didn't tell anybody uh, uh-huh. that she was doing it. That's why she went in early, you know. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, I often find with uh, this sort of stuff, with the finding lost objects, that you're. The monkey brain, you know, the left brain, as it will, uh, will cut in and try and convince you that you're not in the right place. So uh, it's Mm -hmm. always worth persevering, just a little bit extra. Uh, I've heard quite a lot of stories about that. Um, uh, Anyway, I'll I'll tell you a bit about the procedure, usually. Uh, If it's in your house, say, you might want to, what you could do is draw a plan of the house, showing all the rooms. Mm -hmm. And then you could point to each of the rooms in turn with your Mm pendulum and say, you know, is it in this room? Is it in this room? Until you get a reaction then mm-hmm. you can either narrow it down on the plan by you know, dividing the room into halves and then quarters or whatever, or you can go into the room with your L-rod and, as I said, turn around on the spot, saying, you know, show me where this object is, and the rod will point to it. Mm-hmm. And then you can walk across until your rods cross. And start looking around there. But very often uh, your brain will try and convince you that this is, all, this is all rubbish. I had one student once where I had done this procedure and I had hidden a crystal... Um, in a workshop and it was uh, one of these little um, quartz platonic solid crystals that you get uh, and I placed it on top of a light switch in a, in this uh, workshop and the light switch was slightly covered by a piece of canvas taped to the wall mm-hmm. so it was just behind the corner of the canvas and uh, we'd done this map dowsing thing on the plan and he'd found this identified this room correctly we then got him and he subdivided the room and he got the right half of the room and then mm-hmm. he got the right quarter of the room So then he went into the room and got his L-rods out and was dancing around. And three times, his rods actually went right to this light switch and touched the canvas. Mm -hmm. Three times. And he didn't make the intuitive leap just to lift the canvas aside to find the crystal. Mm -hmm. You know, that's because his monkey brain is convincing him that it couldn't be right, that it couldn't be true, you know. So very often you find something like that. So... You know, it's always worth uh, looking under the bed or under the mattress or, you know, down the back of the cupboards, whatever it is that your rods are taking you. Yeah.
1: So even if you think, hold on a minute, this can't be right, just follow yeah. it and see.
0: Just, just try and persevere that little bit, you know. I mean, it's also, it's also worth mentioning that uh, usually in these cases, if you are lost car keys or something and you're desperate to get out of the house, you're not going to find it. You know, because mm. you, won't, you won't be relaxed or detached enough to do it. You know, you have to be in a really relaxed and detached state to do successful dowsing it's all about uh, ignorance and apathy, you know i don 't know what the answer is, and I don 't care what the answer is, you know because if you have this strong desire to find something uh, you 're not going to do it oh. you know, you're dowsing is not going to work um, which is why it's not good to douse for watery numbers, but for instance, you know i'm sure we've all tried that, but uh, nobody's ever been successful as far as I know <laughs> dowsing what's best for uh, when you have a genuine need for it mm-hmm.
1: rather than rather than greed yeah mm-hmm. one of the things we haven 't covered, uh, which is probably. I think would be quite important with with dowsing is the ethics involved now, for example, with pendulum dowsing, if you wanted to douse, there's a few questions you should ask first before you do so.
0: Oh sure, yeah, yeah, you mean the can I may I should I thing yeah yeah uh, well it's, it's part of getting into the zone really, you know um, there's a sort of protocol you can develop when you're doing this because you know, the hardest thing is trying to get the, the left brain to shut up and let your subconscious speak. Uh, so that people have developed various rituals for doing this if you like and the easiest one is this can I, may I, should I uh, it's a kind of general catch all thing so the first question you ask is you know, uh, you say I want to douse blah de blah whatever it is you know, um, you know, I want to douse this stone circle for earth energy line say uh, your pendulum should start giving you a yes at that point so then you say can I do this which means, do I have the dowsing skill for this job? The next question you ask is, may I do this? Which is, do I have all the necessary permissions from this job? Now, that can mean, you know, have you asked the farmer if it's okay to go to his field? Um, you know, it can also mean, you know, um, have I asked my higher self? Is my higher self happy for me to do this? Um, any other spiritual forces, etc. And then the third question is, uh, should I? is it appropriate for me to be doing this at this time? So if you get a no to any of these questions, it's, you know, I would strongly advise not doing it at the time. Um, and I'll give you some examples of this one. At the beginning, I used to get a no for the can I, but I haven't done that for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I always have the ability to do it. The um, may I? do I have the permissions to do it? Uh, I've had a no for that a couple of times, but uh, one of the uh, uh, incidents I like to relate to this is when I was walking up the path to Wayland Smithy, which is an ancient uh, stone barrow uh, on the Ridgeway mm. down in Oxfordshire, uh, and I was walking off the Ridgeway up the entrance path to uh, Wayland Smithy mm. while I was doing my three questions. And as I asked this question, uh, a large fluffy bumblebee flew up, looked me right in the eye, and then turned round and went off ahead of me down the path. Uh, so I took that as my yes response. You know, mm. I had uh, permission from the spirit of place that I was mm. okay to go and look at this uh, this site. And the should I, is it appropriate for me at this time to go and do it? Is there anything else I'm not taking into consideration here? I got a no to that once when I was about to go into a a small overgrown stone circle in Perthshire. Nobody else there. Couldn't see any reason why I got a no. But, you know, it made me stop and think. And I crept up very slowly to the circle. And just behind one of the stones, there was a nest of freshly hatched uh, chicks. Clearly not a good time for me to go go and figure out the circle in my boots. Uh-huh. So uh, you know, I went away and left it. So I was, yeah strongly advise if you get a no to any of these questions, you're do not douse that day. There'll be some reason why you're not meant to douse it at that point. I mean, you don't have to ask this you know, every single time. If, you know, if you're working on a particular site, you know, just one initial permission thing at the, at the start of the session is fine. but if nothing else, you are just asking those three questions just mentally sort of gets you into the dowsing zone. You know, you're not just going straight in and whipping out your pendulum. Uh, you need to spend a little bit of time just uh, attuning yourself
1: I actually know of an example of one person who's had a habit of dowsing for everything, things like should I go to the pub, yes, no um, and becoming a bit too sort of using it for the wrong reasons yeah um, where you should be using it for a specific thing I want to find this, I want to do this you want to have a practical application for dowsing and just not use it for trivial things like should I do this or should I do that you know, sure. Yeah. Should I go to the shops today? Yeah. Should I wear these shoes? You know, silly things like that.
0: Well, um, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's good to try and use your dowsing every day, especially when you're learning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So things like you know what color of shirt should I wear today, or uh, it's, you know, it's quite good to try and integrate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will quite often use it in the supermarket. Um, you know, is is this food going to fulfill my needs nutritionally? Uh, is this food going to trigger any of my allergies? You know, that kind of thing. You know, try and use it around the house. It's the best way to, to develop your, your your practice. How long do I need to cook this food for, you know, if, you, if you've lost the recipe? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can get some very interesting concoctions using Towsing and <laughs> <in> cooking. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> get carried away with uh, anything like that and, you know, won't make a decision without consulting the pendulum. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew somebody once that wouldn't make a decision without consulting an I Ching, which you know, meant they carry this I Ching and um, coins around with them every time and would whip it out a cafe, you know. But I think if you get too dependent on that very quickly, you're, you find you're getting nonsense answers um, because, you know, your, your brain just gets fed up with this sort of thing because you're not taking it seriously. Uh-huh. It's, it's about giving you responsibility and you're still, in effect, by doing that, you're still kind of abnegating responsibility by asking the pendulum to decide for you. You know, so that's, it's, it's, um, it's not really an empowering act, that, is it? You're sort of um, giving your control away.
1: I'm going to have a quick try at something because I lost my wallet back in March. Now, I lost it. Between about the, the 100 200 yards between me getting out of a taxi and me getting in my front door. So I've no idea if it was actually ever in my house at all, and I've no idea if it fell out of my pocket. As far as I'm aware, nobody tried to use my credit cards or bank cards. There is every possibility it is hiding somewhere in my house, or it's in a bit of long grass near my house. So.
0: Well, I think that's a good dowsing challenge for you.
1: I mean, that was what. I mean, this is now September, so that was about four months ago. What I'm going to do is just ask a couple of questions as, well, I'll actually ask you advice on this. Do you think I should ask, will this wallet ever turn up again? Do you think that's a good starting question? Or do you think I should start a sort of step further back from that?
0: I think you should start a step further back from that. Try and focus on your wallet. You know, ask something like, um, let me see now. Oh no! Yes, the first question that was important. So you're saying, okay. "Will this wallet ever turn up again?" It's maybe not the best thing.
1: Or, where? Well, is... just
0: I want to I want to douse to try and locate my lost my missing wallet. Okay. Try that. See if you get a yes okay. for that. I want
1: to try and douse to locate my missing wallet. That's going into a yes.
0: Okay. Then do can I? May okay. I? Can
1: I? Should I? Would you continue to leave it to leave your pendulum? If it's, if it's getting a positive response would you leave it and wait to see if it changes to a negative one or would you just put it back to the sort of swinging back and forwards position? No, yeah, I was it back to neutral. Let's put it back to neutral, okay. Can I dice for this? Yep. I'm getting a positive on that one. May I douse for this? Oh, that's definitely a yes there. Should, should, I, douse I? The, should I douse for the... Yeah, Should I dice for this? I'm oh, getting another yes. If I'm dousing for my lost wallet I've got two immediate questions. I'm thinking: Is it in my house? Did I lose it in my house, or did I lose it outside? Yep. So, I could turn that. I suppose I could turn that into one question, um, which would be: Is my wallet inside or outside? Do you think that's? A, do you think that would be a good kind of way of questioning it, or do you think I should ask the two questions separately?
0: Well, that, well, how are you going to get an answer to that if you ask is it inside or outside? Mm. How are you going to know? you would ask it. ask, you know. Yeah, I'd uh, um, yeah, yeah.
1: be assigning a positive and negative value to yes. inside am, I,
0: the am, I am Am I able to locate my missing wallet at this time?
1: That's a good question. See, this, this is this is why I wanted to do things like this, because it's it gives people a better idea of, of what how they should be going about yeah. things. You see? Okay, so let's do, right, I'll do this. Am I able to locate my wallet at this time? Oh, that seems to think it can. Okay, I'm saying yes. Okay.
0: Uh, is my wallet in the house at this particular time?
1: Is my wallet in the, my house at this particular time? No, it's not. Uh, it's
0: okay, a no maybe on that. Yeah. Okay, uh, is my? Do you have a? Do you have a garden? Is I
1: some... do have a garden now, because I, I where I live there's a communal back garden, and I know it's not in my front garden. The back garden's strange because there's a path that goes up the side, and for some reason, in, this is where my brain's thinking it would probably be. If it was somewhere, don't think. Don't think. Yes. (laughs) Did you come in through? Did you come
0: in through the back garden? That's all you need to know.
1: I walked up the side of it. Right. Okay. Um, Well, as long
0: as you can, uh, you know, if you can break down your garden, your property area, mm -hmm. into something you can conceptualize. So, you know, is it in the back garden? Is it at the side of the house? Is it in the front garden?
1: Let's ask a question. Is it in my back garden? It's sort of. Going very slowly to no. That was interesting because the speed that that was trying to do that was it's like it wasn't. It sort of started going at a forty-five degree angle and then slowly went to no, and now it's sort of doing an almost sort of forty-five degree angle again. So it's like almost like it's not sure. Right. Hmm.
0: So maybe it's not quite in your back
1: garden. Back garden. Okay. Is it in the sort of alcove? area next to my backyard going it's doing a sort of maybe and then going to yes hold on a minute (laughs) i've just had an idea is it under the trees or the bushes? well one or the other well they're they're sort of tree bushy things oh right they're all sort of yeah (laughs) well they're quite big they're about six foot high i think they are sort of trees but they're all in the, exactly the same area right, that's yeah. interesting because that seems to think, yes Well there you go, you've got something to be uh, I going on with What I'll do later is I'll, I'll go out and have a good look and rummage around and yeah. see if I can find anything so Well yeah, I mean, that, that
0: gives you an idea of the uh, the sort of procedures you have to go through mm-hmm. I mean, bear in mind that it's, it's something personal, you can be quite emotive so often you're better mm-hmm. to get somebody else to do it for you
1: One of the groups I think that gives a, a good, positive example of the use of of dowsing. Was it Villages for Waters?
0: Village Water yeah. Village Water. water. Uh, Yeah absolutely they're a great example Uh, they actually started within the BSD. Uh, The American Society of Dowsers started doing this in uh, Honduras I think where they would send out a a team of dowsers to site wells and boreholes for remote villages Uh, so some chaps in the the, the BSD uh, David Dixon uh, was uh, largely the uh, man behind it Went out to western Zambia, and the you know they're well off the beaten track here, you know often like you know, a couple of hours drive off the nearest road to get to these places, and started this program of dowsing for wells and uh, you know sinking these um, boreholes and hand pumps and generally trying to improve the sanitation. So uh, several years on, in fact I did do a podcast about this. Uh, it was number six, I think. But several years on, uh, just you know, now they have. Uh, actually improved the lives of 75,000 people I think and they've sunk 320 boreholes recently uh, well since they started 320 wells which is not bad going and it's not just about the uh, the wells, you know, they do the whole sanitation thing, like they make sure it's capped so no contamination can fall into the well mm-hmm. you know they teach them about um, uh, drying their plates on a high rack so they're not just sitting on the ground where dogs can pee on them or whatever uh, so there's a whole sanitation thing um, you know, the whole incidence of um, uh, diarrhoea has dropped dramatically people are surviving a lot better and there are actually many people are moving their huts closer to the well now so you know actual uh, villages are actually you know developing and expanding around where these well points are uh, which is fantastic news I think there's another charity we support called uh, Water for Life which is a Uh, run by brother James Kimpton out in the Tamil Nadu province in southern India which is a really dry and arid area and uh, he has this uh, charity called Reaching the Unreached out there Uh, and he's well into his 80s now so he's not going to be with us that much longer but he has sunk 4,000 wells since he's been out there 4,000 doused wells that's pretty darn good I'd say yeah,
1: that is very impressive
0: so, um, although the uh, village water is now not run by the BSD, I mean, when it started, we we administered it for them, uh, which effectively meant that you know their administration costs were next to nothing. So all the money went straight out there, uh, and even the dowsers going out every year would pay their own airfares and stuff. You know, now they've got a bit more uh, developed, really. They're sort of um, uh, what's what hedged off from the BSD. their own an independent charity. We still support them uh, with donations and stuff. Uh, so, yes, well worth checking out village water and uh, water for life you, know, you can find details about them both on the b s d website, both well worth supporting you know your money's going to where it needs to go you know there 's not any uh, massive overheads and administration and stuff.
1: do you ever in your day job ever sort of found needs to use dowsing in
0: Yes, a couple of times actually yeah. Some which are quite entertaining. Uh, there was one incident where, uh, I mean, obviously I obviously have to be careful because uh, some of the people I'm working with are maybe not so, so receptive to this sort of thing, you know, mm. but you get quite used to getting hot stairs and people thinking you're completely mad. So it's not kind of past caring these days. Uh, there was one where we had uh, a particular series of electrical glitches in the lighting system, uh, shall we say, you know, just lamps blowing, the a stage where uh, a battery pack spontaneously combusted in a flight case in this particular location, so uh, I got my rods out and started dowsing, and I found this uh, what I would call a geopathically stressed water line running underneath uh, where the dimmer rack was that was servicing this particular lighting bar. We had all these faults. Uh, and it was also where this flight case was that where the battery had burst into flames. So I considered that was important enough to mention. So we moved everything off this water line, by, you know, a couple of feet or so, and didn't have any other problems after that. That was one instance. There's another one when I was out in Japan with uh, Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake. They actually had a Shinto priest come in to bless the theatre, uh, which was a very high honour. Uh, even the local stage manager had never seen this done. So you know, we all felt truly honoured. So uh, he turned up, and we all had to, the, the heads of the department all had to go down to this uh, little shrine on the wall in the stage door office. And high up on the wall was this little miniature uh, Shinto temple so he was making offerings of um, sake uh, and, uh, you know, uh, some plant, not sure what it was. Anyway, so he did this all uh, shaking. He had this big branch of uh, laurel or something that he would um, um, asperges all with water with. And then we went up to the stage and he did this blessing of the stage. Mm. And he uh, shook some water over the corners. And he shook some water over some dancers who happened to be sat in the front row. Mm. And... Uh, you know, did all this much chanting and uh, then he you know, pocketed his envelope with his check and got back in his Mercedes and drove back to the temple um, so nice work if you can get it uh, but beforehand I had thought well okay let's see if this makes a difference here so before he arrived I sat down in a corner with my pendulum and I just said to myself uh, you know are there any sort of units of measurement that I can apply to this situation? Let's call them uh, spiritual units, shall we say. Okay. And I dowse something, uh, yes, okay, so what is the spiritual energy of the sage at this moment? And it was something like, say, uh, 130 units or whatever. Uh, after the priest had been and done his stuff, I went and doused it again, and it was 460, something or other. And it continued to go up to almost 1,000 over the next couple of hours. So, uh, you know, I mean, that's obviously that's a very subjective thing to me, but uh, as most of these measuring things uh, tend to be individual to the dozer, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of the problems. There's not a really an objective scale that uh, you can apply to stuff like this. Uh, there have been attempts over the years. Uh, one of the most popular one is the, the Bovis unit, uh, which was invented by a French chap. But um, you know people tend to find different things, so the, these units do tend to be very subjective.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but you
0: know as long as it's giving you a comparison on your, uh, for yourself, um, that's fine
1: as I found in the last podcast a lot of it is to do with the individual themselves, you know, how things work for you, what you feel, what you get, it's, it's down to you yourself and again that example of you you dousing like that, it's the kind of thing that's more proof to yourself rather than necessarily for other people, it it works for the individual and I think yeah, absolutely, a lot yeah. of things these things are all about the individual getting involved and trying things for themselves and seeing how you know, see what works for them best.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. That's why, you know, different dowsers have their own systems of uh, of doing things and measuring things uh, and their own ways of working. The use of witnesses is quite common in a lot of uh, dowsers. You know, that's um, a sample of something that you're looking for. So you'll quite often find uh, water dowsers will have a little vial of water taped to the end of their L rods or oil or whatever it is they're looking for. Um, and you still find this is quite common these days. Uh, a lot of people who look for um, archaeological archaeological stuff will similarly have a you know um, a sample or two of whatever it is. It, you know, it just helps to focus the mind. You don't need it; it's just a prop. Often, if you question something about it, they'll say, "Oh yeah, I know, I don't need it, but you know, it, it, it just helps me." Anything you can get that will help you focus uh, into what you're looking for is, is you know is individual to you. But if it works, use it. Uh, one of the other witnesses you have as a which is quite common is something called the major rosette. Uh, which is a disc of uh, a sector of disc of colours um, that you hold in your hand. It was invented by a f- uh, French dowser called Hundry and you would hold uh, the colour between the thumb and forefinger in your left hand, say, while your pendulum is in the search position in your right hand. Uh, just you go around all the colours, and when your pendulum gets a reaction, you would say that's the colour that this water stream is reacting to. Mm-hmm. So a water dowser would typically say, like, uh, if it gets a blue, then it's good drinkable water. If it's red, if you have iron, and it's, uh, if it's black, then it's a very polluted stream. So when you hear dowsers talking about a black stream, that's usually what they mean. But again, you know, colour is a very personal thing, so people might assign different meanings to the colour according to what they think. You know,
1: Do you have to deal with a lot of scepticism with what you do? Um, scepticism, yeah, you always get a lot of
0: sceptics in this sort of thing. Uh, and it's a guaranteed ways that you're dowsing, to stop your dowsing working, really, is uh, trying to douse in a, in a room full of sceptics. You know, just the, the performance pressure, if you like. Uh, or the, neg- the negative vibes, if you want to be a bit more new age about it, we'll just, we'll just stop the dowsing working. So uh, it's, it's very difficult, for example, to dows on television. Mm-hmm. There have been very few successful outcomes of that. You know, you're surrounded by a lot of people who don't know what you're doing, don't believe what you're doing, and don't really care what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's a really hostile environment to try and tune in and focus on.
1: We had a chat previously about, about this, and from what I've gathered, there was, a, there was sort of good, sensible types of dowsing tests and there was sort of ones that were not really practical and not didn't really highlight what dowsing was supposed to do. Can you just sort of give us an example of those?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, the problem with a lot of these tests is that, uh, you know, there are particularly vociferous sceptics out there like, um, you know, people that are um, uh, followers of James Randi, who will always say, you know, dowsing is a load of bunkum because they ask the dowser what the test if the test protocol is okay, the dowser will say, "Um, yeah, I guess so and then fail. Um, But, you know, if you're asking the dowser, can you find a bottle of water under six buckets? You know, many of them genuinely think they can, but um, you're effectively asking the dowser to uh, set up the test there and you know you know we don't know how it works so you know we're probably not the best people to design the test i mean yes i would love to see a successful test of dowsing but you know there haven't really been any conclusive ones uh because it is such a subtle art any of the sort of uh, uh big trials that have been done it kind of comes down to who's interpreting the statistics at the end you know, there was the, the there was quite a famous one, the Munich trial, where they had uh, water flowing in pipes uh, underneath a barn that they moved about. And uh, they found out of the hundred or so dowsers there was maybe a handful of them who were quite good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, but instead of, like, focusing on that handful uh uh-huh. doing some more work with them, you know, that, that wasn't statistically significant enough because it was only a small handful. So, yeah. you know, it, it depends how you interpret the statistics, really. But maybe that's not a good test, you know mm-hmm. watering pipes probably doesn't have the same energy as water flowing in a fault line underground because maybe it doesn't have the same electromagnetic signature you know you know we don't so, really know
1: yeah, you could um, easily take i don't know say twenty dowsers out somewhere and yeah and go right put put them somewhere and see what they find and see how many of them all match up um It would be interesting if you had. You know, if you have, if you did something like that, and you had eighteen out of twenty dowsers all that d- found something on the same sort of route, essentially across a field or something like that.
0: Yeah, uh, that would be a good day because you get twenty dowsers on the field, you'll find twenty different things usually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're like herding cats a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, again, it comes down to the focus of the question. And, you know, what what is it you're actually honing in on here? What is it you're actually asking for? You know, mm-hmm. um, is is very very difficult. I'll mention a particular test because uh, it, uh, it's one that still irritates the sceptics and it is the only case I have seen where a dowser actually outwitted James Randi on television. <laughs> he did a series many years ago called James Randi Investigates mm-hmm. in which he had uh, a dowser on called Michael Cook uh, who used to be head of the dowsing research group in the BSD. Um, he's, he's dead now, sadly. And he, his task was to map dows, on a survey map, in which all the major features had been removed apart from the roads. And his task was to find an ancient monument. And when he did the, the map dows, he actually he went through all the procedures, says, OK, I'm asking my pendulum this, blah, blah, blah. And he went through each square in turn, and he got two squares. And he said, OK, I'm getting two reactions here, so I'm going to focus now and ask, what is the ancient monument that you are looking for? And identified the correct square. And uh, they very hastily cut to the next segment uh, where he did some more pretty convincing dowsing, I thought. Uh, but then the next week, um, you know, Randy came back and basically they bumped it off with a lot of nonsense. Uh, he subsequently said that the Channel... F- I think it was Channel 4. Anyway, the, the television researchers who had uh, made up the, the, the map for the test had left a duplicate one in the corridor which had the site marked on it. And he'd seen this on his way into the studio, you know, which... I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not there, but it seems a pretty unlikely explanation to me. But but they're still arguing about that, and there's a very interesting thread on the BSD forum about this. If you want to go and read it, read up on it. Um, but I mean, this goes back to what i was saying. You know, I think uh, you know consciousness has to be involved as a factor here. And if you're of a sort of Newtonian scientific bent or a you know diehard skeptic, you know you're never going to accept that as an explanation. So it's never going to work for you, and you're never going to believe it.
1: I wonder if things like does James Randi ever go out and actually sort of Tr- you know, have these people ever gone out with an open mind and tried to do things like dowsing for themselves? No, right, of course It's not. something, you know, it's these kind of things it's something that they could actually have they could easily try but they would have to be open minded enough to try it to get responses and if they could do that and then go, oh, and then look at things and then make the decision that it, rather than saying, ah, these people are doing it, well, you're perfectly capable of doing it. Yeah, if, yeah but, know, uh,
0: well, you answered your own question there. You know, it says, I think so. these people do not have an open mind. You know, so that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have quite a few scientists uh, in the BSD, uh, mm-hmm. quite active in the dowsing research group. Uh, so, you yeah, know, we do get some interesting theories coming out of there every now and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Classical, the mainstream science, if you like, is still a long way from accepting this. And as long as there are people fundamentalist skeptics, I call them, who are arguing against it, you know, I mean, I've, to be honest, I've stopped listening to them now. It's just a, a waste of time and energy. So it works for me. You know, it works for anybody with an open mind that puts their mind to it. So that's the main thing.
1: I think the, the important part is that people can prove things to themselves rather yeah, than having yeah. to rely on other people's versions of things.
0: Well, exactly. That's what's so empowering about it. You know, you're taking control of your brain. You know, you can change your life with this, you know, you can uh, get rid of um, unappealing or uh, life threatening habits. You know, like you can get yourself to stop smoking when dowsing say. It is about taking control of your consciousness programming your computer creating your reality the way you want it uh, that's why dowsing such an important tool and why you know everybody should do it
1: have you got any favorite moments to do with dowsing relating to yourself well one of the things when you start doing
0: dowsing is that uh, you know you can be quite skeptical about it yourself And I think that's very healthy a healthy skepticism is is the sign of an inquiring mind uh, and if we stop asking questions then you know why are we bothering so yeah there's been a couple of incidents where you get uh, a confirmation of your dowsing and that's always quite exciting Mm -hmm. you know it just gives you a little affirmation that you are dowsing something correctly there was one case where i was constructing a garden labyrinth for a client up in perthshire and we had to excavate the uh, it was a sloping bank uh, garden we had to excavate into the bank a little bit just to fit in the whole labyrinth and we came across this pipe uh that was running that had previously been buried it was running at a sort of 45 degree angle uh, we didn't know what it was. There had been quite a, a bit of ironwork. You know, it was an old uh, side of an old distillery, actually, so there was quite a bit of old ironwork and stuff in the ground. We didn't know what this pipe was. It didn't seem to be going to the house, uh, although it might have been going to the neighbour's house, because it was sort of heading in that direction. It was just, it was just a galvanised pipe, you know, about an inch in diameter. She says, well, I don't think it's anything to do with the utilities, because they're all over the other side. So it came down to me, really, because we had to do something with this pipe, otherwise we'd to stop construction. So I had to sit down, uh, you know, just tune in and ask all these questions. Like, you know, is this pipe, uh, real, is this pipe still in use? Was one? And I got a no. But I went through several check questions on that. You know, was it an oil pipe? Uh, was it a gas pipe? Was it a water pipe? Was it carrying electric cables? Was it still connected? And, you know, I got yes. It was still connected at one end, but not the other. And is it still in use now? I got a definite no. Several times on that. You know, I did do several check questions on this. So after about twenty minutes of questioning, I I said right, I'm confident this is an empty pipe that's no longer being used, and uh, handed the hacksaw to the foreman and stepped back. <laughs> so uh, he made sure he had his thick gloves on and uh, sawed through it, and it was just an empty pipe. Fortunately, so and nobody complained about the water supply disappearing. So. Uh,
1: do you have any particular advice you'd you'd like to offer people, or tell us where people can go for more information? And can you tell us some? Well, obviously, the BSD website is full of great information and Uh, extensive.
0: Yeah, dot org slash podcast to listen to our podcast. Lots of links on there. We have links to all the affiliated local groups that we have. Uh, If you're an affiliated local group, that means you pay a small amount to the BSD every year which gets you listed on the website, uh, gets your events details printed up in uh, Dowsing Today, which is our, our uh, flagship uh, magazine. You can join the BSD for £30 for your first year. Uh, it goes up to £43 after that. You can buy your dowsing tools and books from the BSD shop. We have you know, a fairly interesting selection of, uh, of tools and books. Mm-hmm. Uh, many more that are actually listed on the website. So if you hear about something, it's always worth this phoning to see if, uh, if they've got it. So, yeah, that would be my, my main advice. Join the BSD. You know, it's the best way to keep in touch with what's happening on a national scene. Mm-hmm. Try and find out if there's a local group near you. Yeah. Uh, if there is, go along and introduce yourself. Yeah, you'll meet uh, many weird and interesting people. Mm-hmm. You know, I sometimes describe the BSD as uh, the last bastion of independent thinking in the country. That's what dowsers are like, really. Well, we had our conference last week. Uh, and you, know, you always get a, a very interesting bunch of opinions at, at our conference. It is a very broad church, so you get things coming from uh, all ends of the spectrum, really. Interesting, eccentric, unlovable people in the dowsing world. So yeah, try and meet up with some. Your life will never be the same.
1: And is there any particular books um, that you would recommend if people want uh, just in a couple of different dowsing areas?
0: Sure. The best book of the moment, I would say, is by Elizabeth Brown. And it's called Dowsing, The Ultimate Guide to the 21st Century.
1: Now you recently did a podcast with her, didn't you?
0: Uh, Yeah, I recently did a podcast with her. She gave a talk to conference last year. Uh, She's a lovely lady. Lives out in Italy uh, these days. But her book is really the sort of zeitgeist uh, at the moment. She's got the most up to date research in it, and it covers pretty much uh, all aspects of dowsing. I rate it very highly. In fact, I think she mentions me in the book. I'm actually (laughs) viewers. I think he's there. That's a very good one. Let's see, I still like Tom Graves' Needles of Stone, particularly if you're into the Earth Mystery stuff. I think it's probably in print at the moment, but you can also find it online as a, as a downloadable ebook. downloadable ebook. Lauren and Spiritual Dowsing was another one, good one. Buy that from the BSD or again, I think there's an online version of that available if you search. I mean, it depends what you're into, really. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking around to my bookshelf here. you already a strain of dowsing books.
1: Because I do know that um, there's a book called Safe as Houses. David Cowan that's available on his website because I think it's out of print,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, David, I love the chat. In fact, we just gave him an award this year. David Cowan is uh, a, was largely self-taught dowser, so he has a quite sort of uh, idiosyncratic method compared with most other dowsers. But he's done lots of research into uh, earth energies, uh, tracking these sort of sinuous um, earth currents across large areas of Scotland. Uh, and he walked literally thousands of miles over the hills following these things so yeah, fascinating book if you're into the more esoteric side of dowsing and uh, his Safe of Houses uh, book looks at sort of geopathic stress and uh, electromagnetic stress which is uh, another uh, big area we're finding these days um, I certainly do a lot of work in that, in, on clients' houses because you find that the uh, the symptoms are very similar to geopathic stress so you have to sort of uh, try and eliminate that
1: Well, Graham, I'd just like to say thank you very much for a very informative chat.
0: You're very welcome. It's nice to talk to you, Dougie. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing me on the other end of the microphone for a change. And thanks to Dougie once again for letting us use that interview. You can find more of Dougie's podcasts at youwillneverknowuntilyoutry.wordpress.com. And you can also subscribe from iTunes. I'll put a link to the, uh, his podcast page up on our uh, main show page at BritishDowsers.org slash podcast. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the society and to see how we can help you get more out of your dowsing, please see our website at BritishDowsers.org. Do get in touch with your comments and ideas for new podcast episodes. Send an email to podcast at BritishDowsers.org. You can also post messages on our forum, and you can find us on facebook.com slash British Dowsers. Thanks for listening. Many thanks to Hilary Brooks and Ian Pegler for the music, and be sure to join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.